Your church has come. Your women have come. Your daughters have come. Your children have come. Father, we have come that you will impact us through your word. We have come, O oh God, to know what you have for us in this year. Father, we have come, O oh God, that you will speak to us, that you will remind us the things that we have forgotten, that you will remind us the purpose for which you have called us. Father God, we have come, O oh God. We have not come in argument. We have not come in our own strength or power. But we have come submitting to your authority. Heavenly Father, we ask that you have your way. All oh, thou ancient words, impact us. Impact us, O oh God. Impact your women. Impact our, us mothers. Father, start with me, Jehovah God. I hide myself behind your cross of Calvary, Jehovah Father, Lord, your servant bears a message. Cause this day, O oh God, that as I speak, O oh God, Jesus will be seen. The message that you have for your people will be delivered to them unfettered. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Praise the Lord. First of all, I would like to appreciate the leadership of this church, our beloved daddy, the venerable Professor Sam Ike, the Reverend Canon, Dr. Honor, our clergyman, my fellow clergy wives. I also want to salute my beloved mother with a heart of love, Mommy Ruby. I know she will be listening at this time. Thank you for this privilege you have given unto me. May the Lord bless us all in the name of Jesus. I also like to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. May the Lord continue to help us to be mothers who exercise maternal influence in the areas he has called us in the name of Jesus. To this day, the 2021 Mother's Day, is a day which God has set aside to remind us about a particular topic, the perfect relationship. As I was looking at the topic, the perfect relationship, I was like, last year, God has been talking about revival. Could it be that there is something about us? Could it be that there is still something, maybe the little foxes, that impairs the perfection, the perfect relationship we have with God or the relationships we have in our home. Let us take a look at our test in Matthew 1 from verse 18 to 25. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. In Matthew 1, verse 18, it tells us a story about the nativity of Christ, the home where Jesus Christ was born, and the home where he was raised. I'll read. He says that the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God is with us. 
Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, until he had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Praise the Lord. When we look at this story, we see first of all that Mary was a virgin. The Bible also said that Joseph was a just man. They were espoused, which means they were engaged to be married, but their relationship was pure. This forms the basis of our relationship, marital relationship. The Bible says they were pure because they never had any form of sexual relationship before they were married. Hence, Joseph was surprised when he found out that his wife Mary was pregnant. What did he do? The Bible says that he resolved in his heart not to do what disgraced her. But while he resolved in his heart not to disgrace her, he was still pondering on these things. And while he was pondering, he had an angelic visitation. I would like to ask you, you young person here, you are in a courtship, in a relationship. How has it been? Is it a pure one? Is it such that can entertain an angelic visitation? Mary was a virgin, while the Bible referred to Joseph as a just man. Mary also knew that she was carrying the Savior. This goes to point out the fact that God is not an author of confusion. He spoke to Joseph. He spoke to Mary. So the two of them, we are in the know concerning the will of God. From this relationship, what do we see? What are the major points in this relationship? We see chastity. We see love. We see respect for one another. Even though Joseph found out that his wife was pregnant, he still made up his mind to take her away privately. And I want to ask you, beloved father, what do you do when you find out something that is not right in the life of your wife? Do you expose her? Do you go ahead to call the homeowner? Do you go ahead to announce the whole world? Now, why am I not? What if Joseph had gone ahead to do that? What if he was in a hurry? He was haughty. While I was pondering on this, I said, in our time, which man will find out such a thing and keep quiet? Which man will find out such a thing and resolve in his heart that this woman, I will take her away, but why and why? I will do it in such a way that she will not know shame or disgrace. May the Lord help us. We also see respect for one another. We see obedience to the word of God. God spoke to Joseph and he decided to obey. He decided to father a child which he was not the biological father of. We also see protection of each other's dignity. Joseph protected the dignity of Mary. If we have to have a perfect relationship in our marital life, we have to imbibe these qualities. This particular family we are discussing about, the family of Joseph and Mary, is a home where Jesus was born. It was a home where Jesus was raised. And I ask you, beloved mother, how is your home? Is your home fit for Jesus to be raised? The children that God gave you, how are you raising them? First of all, how is your relationship with God? Let us run. Let's take a look at what perfect relationship is. The word perfect means to be without fault. To have all the desirable attributes that one wants or the desirable elements. While a relationship is the way in which two or more people relate with each other. Therefore, perfect relationship is a relationship in 
between two or more people or two people whereby each and every one of them see in each other the desirable attributes that they want the desirable qualities that they want in a marital relationship the wife sees in her husband the qualities that she desires the wife does not see the faults but she sees the qualities that God also desires Matthew 5 verse 48 can someone read that for us Matthew 5 verse 48 Matthew 5:48 But you are to be perfect even as your father is Okay the Bible encourages us at, to be perfect even as our father in heaven is perfect Now I would like to discuss the life of two people who the Bible described as being perfect in the Bible First of all we take a look at the man called Job in Job chapter 1 The Bible says that Job was a perfect man and upright. He was one that feared God. The Bible says that Job eschewed evil, which means he's not comfortable with evil. He also, the Bible also says that Job put God first in everything and that he had a relationship with God. He was a priest in his household. He was humble and he recognized even after his temptation after everything was taken away from him that everything he had came from god the bible also said that despite the challenges and the afflictions that job passed through that job did what sinned not the second person we are discussing is noah in genesis 6 from verse 9 when you look at the the passage in genesis 6 you see a lot of resemblance in what we see in the world today the bible says that at a time when evil was all over the world that the heart of man was full of wickedness that wickedness was great upon the earth that every imagination of man was what evil continually but in that time just like in our time that god found favor in a man called Noah because he was a just man he was perfect in his generations he walked with God and he obeyed the commandments of God now evil is upon the earth and wickedness of man is great but God is searching for a woman a perfect woman God is searching for a woman which he can use to fulfill the purpose that he has I want us to also know that the opposite of perfection is imperfection. And imperfection is a, a condition whereby somebody is comfortable with all the faults. Asin in ekwoku too much, you are not concerned. Oh, he just run away. Asin that the woman nags, you are not concerned. You are comfortable in your imperfection. Your husband is complaining that you are too materialistic and you are not concerned you are imperfect before god any form of imperfection is an act of disobedience before god and which must be corrected in second timothy 6 from verse 16 to 17 the scripture says that the scriptures is given to us by inspiration that we may be furnished by it as we read the word of god we must never forget the reason for which we read the word of god and the primary purpose of our studying the word of god is that the word of god will make us perfect this perfection we are talking about is likened unto a ladder the climbing of a ladder in philippians 3 from verse 10 to 16 paul said that he had not attained this perfection but that he follows after that for which he was apprehended in christ which is what perfection we daily climb this ladder of perfection and you climb this ladder of perfection not by your own strength nor is it by your will power nor is it by your wisdom nor is it by the degrees you have achieved but you climb this ladder depending solely on the only one who the bible says is perfect which is what god so you climb this ladder by the grace of god have you known what perfection is 
I would like to discuss our relationship. The relationship, because today is Mother's Day, the relationship between a mother, a wife, and her husband. And the relationship between a mother and her children. The relationship between a mother and other children that are not her biological children, other children under your sphere of influence, like your nannies, your housekeeper, your gardener. We also discuss our relationship with the in-laws and the in-loves. You know them. And the one that received you very well. Praise the Lord. So, first of all, we will talk about the relationship between a woman and her God. Because we cannot be talking about a perfect relationship with our fellow mortals if we do not have a perfect relationship with God. Perfect relationship with man can only happen or occur when we have a perfect relationship with God. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that God created man in his own image of love and likeness. And that in the cool of the evening, that God took time to visit Adam and Eve. From this passage, we see that God is inherently relational. He wants to have a relationship with you. And this same God who wants to have a relationship with you, the scripture says that this same God who created you in his image of love and likeness, which means you should look like him, is perfect. And this same God is what? Love. The Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 7 that we should love one another because God is love. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. If we begin to raise up our hands, if we are born of God now, all of us will raise up our hands because we are born of God. We believe we are born of God. But how does our being born of God affect the things we do? God wants us as women to draw closer to him. God wants us to draw near. God sees a lot of imperfections, a lot of barriers between us and him. That is why he chose this passage today. He said, purify your hearts. In James 4 verse 8, the word of God encourages us to purify our hearts so that we can commune with God and so that God can use us. How then can a woman draw near to God? One will begin to say, how can I be close to God despite the oppressions that I have been seeing? Despite the oppressions, the way I have been treated since I got married. Despite the, the challenges of the time. First of all, the major key to drawing near to God is by repentance from every known and unknown sin. Totally surrendering our life to Christ. Secondly, you draw near to God by studying the word of God and living a life of prayer. You draw also near to God by submitting totally to him in all things. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible encourages us to obey and submit to him. Can we read that passage? 1 Peter chapter 3 from verse 1. Now we are going into the relationship between a woman and her husband. If you are there, you can read. You must first of all accept the authority of your husband. Yes? Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. It's. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Praise Thus, the Lord. From the passage, we see God telling us as women to submit to the leadership of the man, that the man is the head of the home, the man is the head of the family. Let us draw back to what happened in Genesis 1. The scripture says that when God created, during the creation, that when he created the fowls of the air, he created the birds, the wild animals, 
that God created them in his image of love and likeness. And each and every one of the things God created, he looked at them and he said, this is good. The only thing that God created and he saw any form of imperfection was man's solitary state. His state of being alone. And then God said, let us create man in his image of love and likeness. Then unlike the other animals, the scripture says that when God created a woman, he put Adam into a deep sleep. And then he took a part of her rib and then formed a woman. He closed it up. And when he presented the woman to the man, to name the woman, just like he did for every other uh, creature that he created, what happened? Adam went poetic. He began to say things like, this is the bone of my bones. This is the flesh of my flesh. Do we still hear such words today in our homes? He went poetic in carbon chem. This is my darling. This is my love. You know, you know the names you call. This is my tom-tom. You know them. Praise the Lord. So Adam received the woman with great joy. And then the both of them embarked on a relationship. The Bible then said that the two of them became... The two became... The major cause of imperfection in our, relation, in our marital relationship is when two becomes... When two becomes two. When you look at... When you don't look out for the good of the other... The Bible says that she is his, the bone of his bones. That a man should take care of a woman just like he loves himself. A man should do what? Love a woman. Praise the Lord. The same way a woman is encouraged to submit to a man. Praise the Lord. So when a woman was created, what was the reason for which she was created? Scripture says that she was created... To be a helpmate to the man. What is a helpmate? A helpmate is a suitable helper. A suitable companion. A helpful companion. Now, the purpose for creation of Adam. Let's just take a look at it. The Bible says that Adam was created to have dominion over the earth. To multiply, to replenish the earth, and to subdue the earth. While the woman was supposed to be a helpmate to him to achieve all these things. Praise the Lord. Women, we are created because men alone cannot propagate the earth. Man alone was incomplete. He could not be fruitful. He could not subdue the earth alone. And so a suitable helper was created for him. A suitable helper is one that completes how do you help your husband? Are you a helper? How do you help his emotional needs, his physical needs, his spiritual needs? A suitable helper is a helper that when they fit together, they complement each other. And then a suitable helper brings harmony and not discord. So no matter how the going gets, you are to bring what? Harmony. You are to bring joy. You are to bring affection to the marital relationship. Praise the Lord. God wants us. God wants to dwell in us as women. The scripture says that we are the weaker vessel. But when the Bible talks about when we talk about the strength of a woman, it's the fact that despite her looking very fragile, there is an inner strength in her, which God deposited in her, that in a time like this, when she confronts problems, that strength that she draws from God begins to surface, and she does not act just like the world wants. God wants, us to, God wants to dwell in us. He wants to walk in us. He wants to be our God, and He wants us as mothers to be his people. Now, what are the hindrances to our relationship being perfect or our relation what are the things that make our relationship imperfect? 
The scripture says that we should not be unequally yoked with unbeliever. ICT, please. I would like us to see the difference between being yoked equally and being unequally yoked. Purity and um, holiness forms the foundation of every perfect relationship in marriage. Take a look at this picture. What is a yoke? The yoke is that wooden beam that is normally used by a pair of oxen or any other animal to enable them to work together, to enable them to carry out the task that is given to them, and to enable them to reach the, their desired goal. So when you are yoked with a man, you are working hand in hand with him. You are working and partnering with him. Let's take a look at the qualities of a relationship where two believers are married. They are equally yoked. First of all, in such relationship, we see that the both of them are co-workers. And in such relationship, there is agreement. There is a smooth walk. There is fulfillment of purpose. And such relationship produces godly heritage. There is mutual respect. And one God is worshipped. Such relationship attracts blessing from God. Let's take a look at the unequal yoked relationship. Can we see this relationship? Are they the same? One is definitely bigger than the other. When we are talking about unequally yoked, we are not talking about size or stature. But when these two people are moving together, definitely something has to happen. From that picture, you begin to see that one will refuse to go again. One will bend down while the other one is pulling the other one. In such relationship, what do we see? The both of them are co-strivers. There is a lot of disagreement in such relationship. The purpose of marriage or, or the purpose of a Christian marriage is mostly not achieved or unfulfilled. In such relationship, the two people have different gods that they serve. One may be serving the God of his pocket, while the other one may be serving a true God. In such a relationship, there is no respect. And such relationship attracts pain. That is why people will be, sometimes when you hear people discuss about marriage openly, one woman said, again about the marriage, you have a marriage, not be management we did. Now management science, now we did. Such relationship, if she's really sure of herself as a believer, it started with her being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Praise the Lord. In Christ, husband and wife can work together as God intended, as co-workers. But first of all, they have to work together with God. A woman has to work together with God so that she can be able to work together with her husband. A woman has to work together, first of all, with God so that she can be the godly exemplary mother to her children and to others. Praise the Lord. It is only when we work together with God that this work becomes smooth and we find rest for our soul. Praise the Lord. We know that the foundational principle of a Christian marriage is God himself. He ordained marriage. Without God as the foundation, every other key cannot be blended together. A marriage built on God seeks God. A marriage built on God serves God. It honors God and it pursues God. When believers come together in marriage, the couple know that they are called by God and they know when the chips are down that God knows that they are in this condition and so they move ahead. What happens when you have already made the mistake and you are in that marriage? Beloved sister, 
I would like to tell you that God also knows about it. But he, has, he wants to work with you. But you have to surrender to him the broken pieces of his marriage. Our God is a God that can turn around the broken pieces or the seemingly not good situations that we see around us into something good. Praise the Lord. It is only in total surrender that God will honor you and bless your pursuit in him and your marriage. Praise the Lord. So let's take a look at the biblical keys to a successful marital relationship. What are the things that I should have in my marriage as a woman of God that will make my marriage to be smooth? We have already said that, first of all, the marriage must be founded in Christ. Basic principles like chastity is as a result of your marriage being founded in Christ. Let's also take a look at commitment in marriage. Commitment in marriage is as a result of genuine devotion between a woman and the marriage itself. Genuine devotion between a woman and God, first of all, and then genuine devotion between a woman and the covenant which she has made, the covenant of marriage. This kind of devotion requires careful planning. It requires attention. It requires deliberate investment. We see from the drama that was acted some minutes ago that the woman had time for every form of fashion, right? We have time to take care of ourselves. We have time to take care of our health. We have time to attend, those, uh, to, attend to our financial needs, to do the businesses that we do that bring in money. In marriage, the same way you make out time to nurture your business to grow, the same way you make out time to nurture your health, the same way you make out time to go for that jogging or exercise so that you will continue to be fit, that is the same way you make investments in your marriage. Somebody was telling me something about her marriage, so I was advising her. She said, you will not understand. Oh, makaneno loko chuku. And then I said, yes, but you have to work for it. Any marriage that you see going well is a product of what? Hard work. It is a product of hard work. And it is a product of your surrendering totally to the originator of marriage. This thing called commitment is a word that has been abused. You hear people say, actually, I was committed to the marriage, but I just could not take it again. These two words are opposites of each other. Commitment and cannot take it are what? Opposites. There is no way you will be committed to something and you leave it and go. There is no way you will invest a lot of money in that business and you just abandon it and go. That is the same way you will be committed to a marriage and you stay in it. Praise the Lord. When you are staying in it, somebody will tell me, But if you are in that marriage, and the things that shake us, the things that move us, we connect to the unshakable. You connect to the God who owns the foundation of the earth. And when you connect to him, when the oppression begins to come, when they begin to make those comments that when they make it before a cha-cha-cha-cha-cha, you are for your true color. Just like we saw in that woman's true color. When you connect to God, this body becomes light. It becomes light. It is at that point that you have dropped your heavy loading, loading just like the Bible encourages us, to drop it and carry the yoke of Christ. Because his yoke is easy. The three types of commitments we take will, will, the first one is personal commitment, moral commitment, and structural commitment. Personal commitment is just as a result of what you personally want and how good your marital status is to you. Surely we know that in, it, in our world today, there are some people, they are married, their commitment is just animal, no governor. They don't see him. But it's just as a result of what they want. 
when they are when they are coming into every occasion, people will begin to leave and give room for them. Such a person, I am not saying that they are committed because of Ihenwete, but such a person may just be there because they have tested that level and they cannot come down. And they are just there because of what they want. They want the affluence. Praise the Lord. Moral commitment, the second type of commitment, is as a result of our moral obligation or commitment to what we think is morally right. That is the Christian type of commitment. People with a high level of moral commitment say things like, I made a covenant between God or I made a commitment with God and I must keep by it. Such commitment is made as a result of our values, our beliefs. The third type of commitment is the structural type of commitment. This type of commitment is as a result of what happens to the individual when the marriage is no more. Like the fear of divorce in the life of our children, the fear of divorce in our financial status, or how we may be affected or how we may be looked at when it happens. A perfect relationship combines these three types of commitment. But the major type of commitment which God seeks is the moral type of commitment. The third thing we see as a tip to a perfect relationship is love. This word we call love has been tossed about by many today. When people want to say I love you, sometimes what they mean is I lost you. Sometimes what they also mean is, I want your money. Sometimes what they mean is, I want that thing that I can get from you. Sometimes what they mean is, I just want it to look like Namunya. You know? And that is so many definitions of love. But the Bible has given us a standard about love. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. From verse 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or pride or rude. Hold on. The Bible says that love is patient and kind. It is not boastful. Neither is it rude. Yes? It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not demand its own way. It does not demand the way that I want it. And it keeps no record of wrong. Which means... What happened yesterday is left with yesterday. Praise the Lord. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Okay. Seven. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Can we read verse seven again, everybody from your Bible? Beareth all things, believeth all things, Hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love does not give up. Love does not give up. That is why the Bible tells us that God himself does not enjoy our giving up. The Bible says that God hates what? Divorce. God hates putting away. God hates the fact that each and on every slightest of, uh, provocation, you carry your bag and begin to go. And I wonder where you are going. You were there before, and you carried your bag to his house. Now you are going back, like people now cross the main road to and fro. Can we begin to ask God to help us? Can we begin to ask God to help us to show the kind of love that God wants us to love? I want us to know that Love should not be on an if or then basis. If he takes care of me, I stay. If he is loving, I love him back. Neither is it supposed to be based on our feelings. Our spouse sometimes may not be well deserving on the kind of love that God gives us. You know the kind of love that God gives us? Unending love. A love that is not affected by condition. But I want to ask you, are you deserving of such love? Do you deserve it? When the chiefs are down, we look at the person who is the standard. 
You do not look at the man. Neither will you look at the woman. God is the standard. The man is not the standard. Let's run because we have limited time. The next point is prayer. Couples should form a habit of praying for each other and with each other. What happens in a home where there is conflict? Can you imagine what will happen? Now, bagide again, ba bagide again, ba bacha. You see, a daddy, can you just pray for me? Will that anger translate to resentment? Will it translate to other things? When we learn to pray, when we learn to take back our needs to the originator of marriage, he will help us. Praise the Lord. Now, how do you affect, how do you address issues in marriage? As women of God, we are addressed and we are asked to fight on our knees. That is the greatest weapon that you have. That is the greatest weapon that you have. What happened? Maybe there was a situation and you were oppressed or you were denied or you were let down. You talk to God about it. You ask God to help you. Personally, I also believe in telling God, give such a person no rest until the person comes to apologize to me. When you need that sorry, ask God. When you need that apology, talk to God about it. Report every form of oppression to him and God will hear us. Praise the Lord. Our prayer goes directly to God. He hears every breath. He hears every cry. He hears every plea. I am saying this because when we hear the stories of what women bear in marriage, I want to encourage you, daughter of Zion, that God knows about you. I don't know what you are experiencing or what you have experienced and you are experiencing. I would like to share a testimony of what happened to that as I was on my way to church. While we were coming... I tuned into this 94.5 FM stereo. And in the mornings, it's usually testimony time. And so a woman called in. You, do you know her testimony? She said, I thank God for helping me to bear the unbearable in my marriage. And I also thank God who have revived my marriage. It was a long wait, but that the marriage is new. The wine is fresh. Praise the Lord. And so I encourage you, beloved woman of God, to hold on to the, the same God. It is always darkest before dawn. Communication. Communication. In communication, we communicate with God and we communicate with our spouse. Communication ensures that both you and your spouse feel respected. The way you communicate it ensures that both of you feel respected or validated. It also ensures that there is understanding. It is an important key in a marital life. And I also want to ask you, and God is asking you, how do you communicate? How do you address issues? Do you communicate in love? Or do you communicate harshly? You know the strengths and the weaknesses of that man you are married to. You know the one that you will say and he will flare up. And the devil is luring you to say it. And you are saying it and your house is burning. And you are there. You are burning. Have mercy on yourself now. Have mercy on yourself. Why don't you shut up? Just like our mothers tell us. I say, you see that the house will not burn down. Praise the Lord. Forgiveness is a successful tool. It's the, uh, marriage is made up of two forgivers. The Bible says that forgiveness is love in action. In Ephesians 4 verse 32, the Bible encourages us to be kindly affectioned one to another and to forgive one another, which means that God himself knows that there will be offenses in marriage. So forgiveness plays a huge role in marriage and it prevents bitterness, resentment and strife. What are the weapons that you use when you are being 
provoked? Is it the silent treatment or is it the harsh words? Forgiveness sets you free. It releases your offender and it releases you. Whether forgiveness was asked for or not, it is important that you forgive so that you release yourself. Now we'll look at humility and gentleness together. The two of them work hand in hand. When in a marital relationship, will you find yourself suddenly to be a lawyer? Meanwhile, you have not crossed the you have never seen the four walls of a law school like myself. That you don't have what to say. You you know about it. But you want to talk about it. If we exercise humility, only when our spouse is humble towards us, we are wrong. Jesus Christ, remember we said Jesus is the standard and not our husband. It is only when we look at Jesus as the standard that we will begin to avoid unnecessary conflicts in the home. Also, conflict in the home happens when we mind high things. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 16 that we should mind not the high things. That is when gentleness and self-control comes into play. We see that gentleness carries a great value just like the Bible says. It is strength put under control. In, the, in Joseph's case, we see that Joseph was right to flare up. After all, he wasn't going to condone evil. Joseph was right to display or to call him on you know, but he was gentle and he decided to put her away privately and then he had the opportunity of the angel of the Lord appearing to him because he was not haughty. God encouraged us to take his yoke and learn from him because God himself is meek. The ninth point is patience, kindness, and protection of each other's dignity. Patience, kindness, and protection of each other's dignity. You know better than I do how to protect the dignity of your husband. You know better than I do how to be kind to your husband. You know the things that he likes, and you know the things that repels him. When we begin to do the things that our spouse like the things that are in line with the purpose of God for our marriage that is right, then we begin to cultivate affection. We cultivate warmth and tenderness in marriage. The last point is unity. And we know that marriage itself is a celebration of unity. We cannot talk about unity when there is separation. Wives are encouraged in Ephesians 5 to submit to the headship of a man. Whenever a woman does not submit, it is difficult for a man to love the wife. And when a man does not love the wife, sometimes it may be difficult for a woman to submit. I say sometimes because when I look at the values that we see in the lives of our mothers, like my mother for example, you know that submission is something as hanime. Naturally, is here the people she will stay there. Okay? So, these values are things that is lacking in our time. You, beloved mother, that is raising that girl child, what are you telling her? Are you teaching her how to be a liberated woman? Or is it just about gender inequality or equality? What are you teaching her? When you see some particular trait in her, what do you do? If you want to see yes, She's a go-getter. Praise the Lord. May the Lord help us. Our relationship with our children should be one that is unique. It should be one of love and care and respect. We know that parenting is an act of stewardship. And stewardship is management of the resources that somebody gave to us as custodians to keep and we must give account of our stewardship we must give account of how we raise those children we must give account 
of these children, how they live their life, the influence you gave them, the rules that you made in your home. When I look at the, some families around us in the world today, we find out that mothers have left their role, the divine role that God gave them, as people who mostly establish the cultures of the home. They have left it in pursuit of wealth. They have left it in pursuit of degrees. They have left it in pursuit of designers naturally out. They have left it in pursuit of fame. Sometimes, there was a woman that I was looking at. Every time I need anything, how I used to know in a government house, Neji Hebu, she will, any uniform, every day, oh yeah, she never has time. When do you have time to nurture these children? When do you have time to train them? Remember that these children are growing and they are come, there will be a time when the character you put in them will now be brought back to you by the time they have grown. We know that these children are just like a whiteboard. And we as parents, we as mothers, because we good handwriting, we are the ones that should carefully inscribe and imbibe biblical principles in their life. We are the ones that will carefully and imbibe rules in their life. What do you do? Do you go ahead and do it? Or do you wait for the society to dictate the standard force to your child? Before you now begin to make amends. Praise the Lord. Motherhood, we know, connotes love. It symbolizes patience, submission, gentleness, careful nurturing. How do you communicate with your children? Do you allow them? Maybe in Abata, on Don't talk to me now. When we look at the things that happen in the world today, Somebody said that the child of her neighbor was constantly abused. And when the abuse started, the child wanted to tell mommy, mommy, that uncle is doing this. Mommy, that uncle is doing that. But where is the mother? The mother was on the phone. Where is the mother? On apu apu. Where is the mother? On a meeting after meeting. Inu meeting na ana agwa meeting that is profitable. Osino sweet sisters. Osino, um, what do they call them? Meeting after meeting after meeting. Have you had time to take care of your home? As for, for me, I have not had time. Oh. These five children that God gave me is a handful already. And this, presenting them before God, as I can see, is not really easy. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. May the Lord also help us to be exemplary to our children. You cannot be telling your child not to do this while you are the one that does it. You cannot be telling your child to do that one. You talk about, you can just decide to tell your children to pray. But your children have never seen you pray. When, you co- when they come out, do you ask them, what did you pray about? Because you do not have time. And because you yourself did not pray. We cannot list out all that we have here, all the points that we have here. But I would like us to close lastly, by looking at the book of Ezekiel 47, from verse 1 to 12. Ezekiel 47, 1. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Six. He asked me, 
Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the river bank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from Engedi to Englen. The shores will be covered with the nets, drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea, just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Twelve. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Praise the Lord. So we see a vision which Ezekiel saw about the life-giving water flowing from the temple. <coughs> In the new covenant, we know that you and I are the temple of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is the river that flows in us. The word is, is the Hebrew word for is is quadim, and the meaning of is is a sense of sunrise. It is a place beyond sunrise. And so this river was flowing towards the east. As we look towards eternity, beloved mother, God is asking you, have you allowed the spirit to flow through you? Have you allowed the spirit to move through you and in you? What measurement? When you are being measured, is it still at your ankle? At your ankle level, maybe you have surrendered with regards to your, your husband and your children. What about your house help? The Bible says that the water was measured again and it was at the knee level. At that knee level, what is yet remaining? It was measured again and it was at the waist, the loins. It came to a point whereby the water was measured. And he could not move again. His strength could not help him to navigate through the water. That means he had surrendered totally to the river. Which is the Holy Spirit. The more we move into the things of God. The more the Holy Spirit takes control of us. It is an awesome experience. When the Lord will move through us as mothers. It will be an awesome experience in our homes. When the Lord moves through us. The Bible says that through our character, husbands who do not know God will turn to him. It will be an awesome experience. When you surrender your life totally to God and the river moves in you. It is only at that time that you will begin to have angelic visitation. And God will remind you things, things that you cannot see with your eyes, happening in the life of your children. And you address it on time and you nip it in the board. What level are you in? And are you comfortable in that level? Are you still in control? The Lord is inviting us today to give him total control. So that we can have a perfect relationship with him. Because it is only when we have a perfect relationship with him that other relationships around us begins to be perfect. Shall we pray? Father, do a new thing in our lives now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, blow like that river in Ezekiel 47. Let that river not just be at our feet. Let it not just be at our knees. Let it not be by the waistline, not the chestline. Let it suffuse us, the river of your presence.
The river of your grace. The river of surrender that will make us live close with you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And every day grew in grace. Grew in the knowledge of you. And grew also in your fear and likeness. In the name of Jesus. Develop such a relationship with you. That can make us perfect as father. And as we yearn and desire to do that. A relationship with our spouses. With our children. With our parents. With the others within the household. And beyond will be as you have ordained in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we ask you for every itching leg, itching body, itching time, itching program, itching business fame. Lord, that does not allow us to have time to have the river that is just at our feet go on to even reach our neckline. That has time to make our time for God our Father to develop a relationship with you. Closet relationship that will make us stand tall. Closet relationship that will decide matters for our children and for our family. Closet relationship that will receive from you like Mary and Joseph and be able, oh Lord, to be in control as you created us and dominate because we have discussed matters with you. Heavenly Father, we ask that every area of our life, every of those irritating and itching programs that give us the concern and they are temporary and vain, may they fade away from our programs in our lives today in the name of Jesus. May they fade away and become of less relevance to us, young people, those times on the phone, older people, those times and the chatting that decrease our quality time with you. That can make us, Lord, complete and assume a relationship not only with you, but full in home and full outside. Lord, we call them to fade in the name of Jesus. We desire more time with you. Like the psalmist to God, that we might desire to be in your presence. That we might desire to be close with you. That we might desire to be in the presence and in the temple of the Lord every minute of our lives beyond any other demand. Lord, as we do so, to gaze on you, to hear from you, to relate with you, and relationship in the family will take the same norm in the name of Jesus. Heal our relationship with you and heal our families in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Almighty, as you do so. And make us instruments of grace in your hand. Whom you will reveal the present, the future, the scars. And everyone here will amount to grace and to goodness. To blessing and to great in your hand. This year, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for our mothers. Thank you again for their lives. Thank you, Lord Almighty, as you use them. Today is their day. Beautify all of them with your presence and new and afresh in the name of Jesus. Anoint them with the oil of gladness in the name of Jesus. Irrespective of their challenges. Some are widowed. Some their husbands are not here. Some are outside the country. Father, whichever state they are in, in your presence is fullness of joy. May they receive that that comes despite circumstances in the name of Jesus. Give them the oil of joy for gladness today for being mothers in the name of Jesus. It is not a mean thing. It is a blessing that is from you. And Lord as they handle motherhood even for those whose children are grown up they are still mothers. Even for those whose husbands are no more, they are still mothers. Even for those who are still believing you, O God Almighty. Even for their own children, they are still mothers already by faith. And they receive even the opening of their womb. And they turn this into your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless them in you. Reoil them with the gladness of your mercy. And let them carry your presence. May we see different mothers. Oiled by the presence of the Lord. Quickened by a closer relationship with you. Talking. Not just with the natural mouth. 
talking from inside, from revelation and from inspiration, guiding, molding, because they have discussed business with you and it is well with them and it is well with us all in the name of Jesus Christ. It is well with our mothers in the name of Jesus. Those who are in difficult homes, difficult homesteads, difficult children, difficult circumstances, Lord, Today, let your Holy Spirit drop the oil of joy and lift up those burdens in the name of Jesus. As a yield to you, may the joy of motherhood, may the grace that emanates from a relationship that has discussed matters with you be seen in and out of their lives, giving glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Holy one.